Welcome to SARC Talk. SARC is a nonprofit cancer research organization that develops and manages clinical research trials in pediatric and adult sarcomas. SARC Talk is a podcast to discuss activities of SARC, interview sarcoma research leaders, and review scientific initiatives in the sarcoma field. Um, my name is Christina Iptoma, and I am mom to Osteo Angel Dillon and Director of Scientific Programs at MIB Agents. And today on Osteobytes, we're excited to have a conversation with Dr. Scott Acuno, Chief Medical Officer at SARC, and also Ann Graham, our Executive Director of MIB Agents. And thank you, everyone, um, for joining today. Thank you, Ann and Dr. Acuno. We're thrilled to have you both. Um, a little bit more about our guest today. Dr. Acuno is a professor of oncology at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. He's a recognized expert in sarcoma and clinical research. Dr. Acuno has been the SARC Medical Officer since 2012, and in this role, he provides medical oversight to the day-to-day -day activities of the SARC clinical trials. Dr. Acuno regularly interacts with the SARC Research Project Management Team and the study principal investigators to ensure proper study conduct quality data, and the overall safety for all SARC clinical trials. Dr. Acuna was appointed SARC Chief Medical Officer in September 2022 and joined the SARC Board of Directors in October 2022. And Anne is not only our Executive Director and Founder of MIB Agents, but she's also an Osteo Warrior. She was diagnosed in 2010 at age 43 while training for a marathon. And she was treated in the Pediatric Cancer Center at Memorial Sloan Kettering in New York City, where she was surrounded by kids who awed and inspired her with their courage and positive attitude. And since she completed treatment, her mission has been to make it better for children battling osteosarcoma. The start of MIB was in 2012 with uh, the end-of-life mission for Alyssa Divers, one of Anne's fellow patients at MSKCC in the Pediatric Oncology Unit. And then MIB agents officially became a 501c3 in 2016. Um, so welcome, Dr. Kino and Anne, and welcome everyone joining us today. Um, please feel free to add any of your questions um, for our guests to the Q&A. And before we get started, just some announcements and reminders. Um, we have the Healing Hearts um, series for bereaved parents in a couple of weeks on August 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern. And then starting in September, there's going to be a new series of Healing Hearts for bereaved parents on Wednesdays and Saturdays, and those run through the end of the year. And then we're also offering different sessions for young adult siblings and another separate session for teen siblings. So I'll put some info in the chat on how to sign up and get more information about those. And we're gearing up for Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, um, which is September. And so with a $25 donation, you'll receive a beautiful big gold bow that you can adorn your mailbox or front door with. And um, these are similar bows to last year, so you can refresh your bow. And based on the weather that we had last year, I can attest to the fact that they are highly weather resistant and they will look beautiful on your mailbox all year long. Um, and so when you uh, donate and, and purchase a bow, um, those proceeds will support programs, education, and research for the osteosarcoma community. Um, all right, so our format today is a little bit different. We don't have a formal presentation or anything, just a conversation, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, our guest today, Dr. Scott Acuno, is no stranger to podcasts because um, he hosts the monthly podcast, Sark Talk, which explores all things related to sarcoma, including interviews with the sarcoma researchers, discussions of innovative scientific initiatives in the field of sarcoma, and updates on the activities of Sark. Um, so thanks so much again for joining us. And I thought maybe to just kick us off, um, each of you could provide just a quick overview 
of each of our organizations. Um, I know a lot of people tuning in are already familiar with MIB agents, um, but I know that we're also going to be sharing this with a SARC audience who may not be as familiar. So maybe Dr. Akuno, could you kick us off with an overview of SARC? No, I appreciate it. Thank you, Christina. Thanks for MIB for the opportunity to be with Anne and discuss a little bit about what SARC is and what we do as an organization. So SARC um, started uh, 20 years ago. And the main thing at that time was we wanted to do clinical trials that was overseen by sarcoma experts, trial designs that were sarcoma experts. And that's how we all started. Back in the day, most of the sarcoma trials were done with cooperative groups for which we had to nudge our way in to get uh, sarcoma trials. And more importantly, some of the reviews errors didn't know anything about sarcoma. So it was very hard to, to get a footprint and move forward. So that's how we originally developed. So a good component of what we do is do clinical trials that are designed and developed with sarcoma experts. And most of our trials are in the United States, but we do do collaborative studies across the United States, uh, Australia, and Europe. So it's been a great 20 year plus run. In addition, we do have uh, highlighting some components that if we really want to move forward with sarcoma, we need some basic science and we need the scientific community to understand what we're doing and focus our attention on sarcoma. Out of that, we've developed what we will call the scientific uh, steering group uh, that really supports the basic science aspect. And that basic science aspect is led by uh, Jonathan Fletcher, who is our chief scientific officer, and he helps direct the basic science and translational work at CERT for us. So that's a big effort, and that's been continuing to grow, and there's a lot of fun stuff, and we can maybe share later on what we're uh, planning on doing actually this year as well. We also realized pretty quickly that if we want sarcoma scientists, sarcoma investigators, we need to develop a career path for them. We needed a mentorship program for them. We also needed ability to help support their research, like funding a little bit. So then we did develop the Career Development Award. So that's what we built out. And our, some of our greatest successes actually in memories have been awarding Career Development Award to scientists that wanted to spend their career doing sarcoma. And many of them and most of them are still actively involved in sarcoma and building out the future for what we're doing. Probably in the last five to 10 years, we started to realize too that the sarcoma community is not just scientists, not just industry, not just basic laboratory, but also patient advocacy groups. So around that space, we started to develop what we would call the uh, Research Advocacy Council, which is a group of individuals and, and other groups are part of that as well as to say is, how do we engage with the community-based programs and um, not only the, what we'd say, pan-sarcoma groups, that mean they help support anybody with sarcoma, but also the histology-specific. So we're continuing to build that um, portfolio out. So what we would typically say is we're all things sarcoma, and we're trying to get all those people interested in sarcoma to be part of our group and to move forward to ultimately help our patients with a sarcoma. Fantastic. And Anne, do you want to just um, give us a brief overview of MIB? So MIB Agents makes it better, MIB, for kids with osteosarcoma. We are laser beam focused on osteosarcoma. 
Um, we make it better in three ways. And before I tell you the three ways, here's what here's what we have in common with Sark. Everybody in, like everybody is a part of each thing that we do. And um, that all by itself makes it better that we have a community that's um, in, ingrained in each component of, of what MIB Agents does. So our three pillars are education. This um, this is education for the entire community. So this will include things like uh, the book on osteosarcoma, um, which is called Osteosarcoma from Our Families to Yours. It is distributed by uh, institutions everywhere and is also available for free download on our website, as well as a hard copy. Also for free, we'll, we'll send it to anybody who needs it. It's been translated into uh, uh, English, uh, sorry, Spanish, and um, clearly English, and um, also Chinese, Mandarin specifically. And what I like to say is that um, MIB is like David Hasselhoff being big in Germany. We're big in China. <laughs> in China, if you are diagnosed with osteosarcoma, you automatically get a copy of our book. We would love this for, for this to be the case in the U.S., where everybody who is diagnosed actually gets a gets a book that that helps them become a more educated patient because we think they have the best um, outcome if you if you really understand your disease and what comes next. Um, so let's see, education uh, also includes things like our testing and research directory. If you have um, a surgery coming up, like you often do when you have osteosarcoma, we have a guide that will help you know what to do with that tumor. Um, it's broken up into two parts. One is to help inform research, and the other is to help inform a personal treatment plan. And mad props to Christina, who championed the testing and research directory, along with Richard Gorlick, Corey Painter, and a, a bunch of other, gosh, Kitty Janeway. Like, a, there are a lot of um, great uh, clinicians and researchers involved in that project. And that is a living document, it's updated regularly. Um, lots more to tell you about education, but I'll move on to uh, research. We fund osteosarcoma-specific research in a, um, like we do everything else, in a community way. It um, again, this is something that falls under director of scientific uh, under our director of scientific programs, Christina Abjoma. She manages the whole process. We get the proposals in. They're reviewed by our scientific advisory board. They're then reviewed by 88 different peer reviewers and then also has a stakeholder review. So all parties um, really get get involved in this in this process. And then additionally, what kind of separates us from other processes is our process doesn't stop when we fund the research. We actually go to the institution. We get to look in the microscope. We get to talk about what's happening in that research. and. Um, and then where we're, um, and then they they presented factor. So, so once once we funded research, you can't shake us. We're 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 part of, we're, we're we're in each other's lives after that. Um, and then we have um, also patient facing programs that will take you from diagnosis all the way through to survivor support and even bereavement um, support for parents and now uh, brand new breaking news uh, for siblings as well, age 13 and over, um, and lots of things in between. Um, we do this with the help um, 
of our fantastic family funds who help us fund research. Um, we do this with the help of our junior advisory board, who they are. This is a brilliant panel of um, patients, survivors, and siblings of, of those who have had osteosarcoma. Um, they help us inform internally and externally the entire um, organization and even pharma companies. So, gosh, did I miss anything? I think I think that about sums us up. Thank you. So I know one of the things that both our organizations really emphasize and encourage is collaboration in the scientific community. Dr. Kuno, I know Stark's mission is to drive high-impact, centrally supported collaborations. Um, but likewise, it's really important for foundations and patient advocates to work together. Um, and I know you talked a little about um, having a research advocacy council and kind of reaching out to pan-sarcoma groups and, um, and trying to work with more disease-specific groups. Um, but Anne, I know you're also on the board of SARC, and so can you maybe talk a little about a little bit about your experience there? Yeah, really. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the, the be my beginning at, uh, of um, of engaging with SARC is going to the ASCO meeting in Chicago right before the pandemic. I think 2019. I went and uh, as as MIB went uh, to the, the ASCO is American Society of Clinical Oncology, went to the the SARC meeting at ASCO, and I went, oh my gosh, these are all of our people. Like these, I'm seeing all of all of the doctors that we communicate with regularly. Some that, you know, I know but have never met, but I know who they are and I know what they're doing. And so I was really inspired and excited by seeing all of these sarcoma doctors who are all really working on such a difficult part of cancer. This is a really difficult disease to treat, whether it's osteosarcoma, leiomyosarcoma, Ewing sarcoma, it's all really hard stuff. And here they are all coming together. And I was just delighted to see everybody in one space. And it, so excited to see that everybody was getting together outside of or in addition to the ASCO meeting where all of the all of the cancers are represented by various clinicians and researchers. So um so that was that was the start. And then um and then a board position became available and I was interviewed for it and I was in and I was I, I remember talking with uh, Dr. Jonathan Fletcher and Stephen Young, the executive director, I was sorry, president and CEO of of SARC, and going, oh my gosh, this is such an amazing organization. And by the way, We've been we've been in since I knew that that it was um, that it would that it that it existed because one of the one of the most important things I think SARC does is points people in the direction of sarcoma centers. And while we do not give out medical advice at MIB agents, one of the things we do say when somebody contacts us for the first time is get to a sarcoma center even if it's just for a second opinion, even if it's just to write shotgun on treatment, that you have a, a major sarcoma center, a major institution, high volume, um, helping guide your treatment because this is a, this is a difficult disease uh, to treat. So I love that they had that resource. I had lots of thoughts and ideas about how, how that could be expanded, how that could be... Um, engage that that those centers could be engaged on a regular basis 
So we talked about those things and they were like, okay, you know, like stop, like, okay, you can, you can try. Like, because I was just like, I love this organization already, but I really felt like we could do more. Um, and I also, as you and Dr. Kunoho both said, we are aligned at our core values of the only way through this. And Dr. Jonathan Fletcher says this regularly. Stephen Young says this regularly. And, and you've heard Dr. Okuna say it. Basically, we, none of us individually have everything we need to solve for X, which is sarcoma. We, we need each other to move this thing forward. And I really believe that the new day of osteosarcoma, which which that new day is here and has been here for the for the last several years, I think. Um, it's it it I think everybody, most everybody is on board. And if they're not on board yet, we're gonna get them on board this train of like, let's talk to each other and let's figure this thing out together. So um now that now that I've been a board member for, I don't know, a year. Um, I know this to be true, not just from the outside looking in, admiring the organization, but now from the inside as well going, wow, everybody in this organization at SARC, is, they, they do what they say they do. They do as they promise. And that promise is aligned with ours in that they're trying to make it better for sarcoma. And they're doing this in a very purposeful way. Um, in a very purposeful way with great vision. So I'm I'm really um, delighted and proud to be a part of this organization and um, really the best is yet to come. Um, you know, it's funny, Anne, when you were talking about when you first went to ASCO and um, saw all these people that you had heard about, like Dr. Kuno, I don't know if you are aware of this or if other um, research and clinicians are aware of this, but like, patient like people in the patient community it's almost like we're like fanning over um, these doctors because you know we spend we're up all late at night researching as much as we can right because we're just desperately just trying to find as much info and so we always see the names that come up on these papers and then when we actually you know get to meet some of these people face to face it's almost like we're meeting you know like bts or something like that or <laughs> just as an aside i don't know if you know that but like there's a, there's a little bit of weird, um, there's yeah. a lot of operation, I think, um, yeah, in the community for kind of all the work that's being done. Under- yeah, yeah, total. Or this doctor conference, like, it was like the, it was like a, a middle school dance at first with like the boys on one side and the girls on the other, except it was like the patients on one side and the, and the, the, the physicians and the clinicians on the other side. And it was like, oh my gosh, is that, is that, you know, fill in the blank doctor? And do, do you think I could talk to him? And now, you know, now the now the conference is like, oh, great. So this is going to be here. I can't wait to see him again. And I, I hope we get to sit with each other at dinner. And it's it's really um, it is very much a fangirl or like fan person because it's not just the girl, you know, not just the women, but it's also the, the dads um, and the well, the general community. But now we get to and and it is a it is a respectful um gratitude like we we're not just um fanning out but we're also we feel honored to 
work alongside you. And I think that's that's part of the new day of sarcoma where patients are working alongside um, the people that we respect and um, need. So, yeah. Totally. It's so funny you say that. Beyond the middle school dance, which is good. Um, so, Dr. Kuno, so first of all, it's like awesome that you have people like Anne and I know you have um, some other um, people from from other uh, disease-specific foundations on the board. And then you also have this amazing research advisory council, which is also comprised of a lot of people, um, patients, survivors, and people representing other foundations. So moving forward, um, can you maybe talk about kind of what the vision is for working with these disease-specific organizations? I mean, it's great that you're already incorporating, obviously, um, input and feedback from these various um, communities just within the structure of SARC, but just kind of ideas on moving forward and the vision for interaction, and especially for some of the disease communities that haven't yet um, engaged with SARC, but would be interested to in the future. Oh, that's good. And, and I'll just go back to our, our original name. The original name of our organization is SARC. Guess what? It's still SARC. And we rebranded, but originally it was Sarcoma Alliance through research and collaboration. So we started out as a small community because, as Ann said, we know that we don't know it all. And we knew from the very beginning, if we're going to solve major things, we had to work together. Now, other tumors, breast, lung, GI, you know, you're probably fighting over each other because everybody has their own slice. But in our world, we we know that we're collaborative. So from the very get-go, we realized we didn't know it all. We had to pull together resources. Because of that, we're quite blessed in our sarcoma community to have MIB. We'll pick on them today since this is part of it. Um, because they have pulled together a scientific community. They have scientific advisors. They have patient engagement of only sarcomas of the bone, OGS. And we rely on that. We have other organizations such as the National Iomyosarcoma Foundation, which focuses on LMS. They have a board, they have a scientific community, and they pull together researchers and fund things as well. There's also the EHE Foundation, putting that out there. They also have scientists that are focusing on EHE. They also have a board. They also fund research. So for sarcoma, and specifically start to come in and say, wow, we want that slice. The answer is no. You have organizations already that have that already. Why don't we partner, collaborate, and leverage their expertise, their ability to drive things, and where it makes sense, share that message as quick as possible, potentially help develop, co-develop uh, clinical trial mechanisms for great ideas that come out of MIB, LMS, and I'm just picking a couple of them, EHE, where we can then say, using all of our sarcoma centers to uh, address and get those studies out there quickly. So our vision is to work with, not supplant, not not be you know in the driver's seat because you know we're very blessed to have mature organizations. There are growing pains, I bet too, and as you're going through MIB, but the reality is that they're they're at a very very high level, and we need to leverage that. There are other 
what we would call pan organizations. These are organizations that are not specifically there to support one histology, but they provide a wealth of patient support, navigational tools, counseling, et cetera, and reaching out and saying, what center should we go to? What do I expect? What should I expect when I go to a center? So those are organizations that uh, we'll leverage too, because we want to get the word out that sarcoma centers are out there. They do a lot of tumors that are sarcoma-based, so we try to you know, share that out. So we support that. We as an organization don't want to start our own patient support group because we don't have access to patients per se. We don't have access to treating physicians other than less their clinical trials. So again, it's a, it's a partnership. And to be honest, for all of us growing up in the sarcoma realm, even though Ann comes and fangirl, fanboy, whatever we're saying in that space, the reality is we're better physicians, we're better clinicians, we're better clinical trialists, we're better researchers. If we understand what patients and families are going through and the concerns that they have. And and that's the beauty of having Anne on the board as well, because the reality is she found a board that had her values. However, I can tell you being at the meeting, we have taken her comments at the board and tried to operationalize a lot of what she says in the operations of SARC as well. So it's a, as we would say, a two-way street. And all of us, as you start to realize, are all approachable because we're all approachable and sarcoma community physicians are very much like that. Fantastic. And so um, one of the things you had mentioned was leveraging each other's strengths. Um, so I know SARC is really focused on clinical trials, um, but SARC doesn't fund the trial. Uh, you act more like a steady sponsor, a collaborating, um, coordinating uh, center, and your staff that can centrally manage um, those trials from kind of the three stages, right? Development, operations to close out. And so can you talk a little bit about how some of these SARC trials have come to fruition? Yeah, so actually, it, it actually, well, there are multiple ways. Um, probably the best way that comes out is that we have sarcoma physicians, researchers and trialists that have a great idea. They've done some preclinical work. They realize that a drug is good. They have an industry sponsor, but they don't have the resources to do a national study. So those are the vast majority of the studies because in order for us to do a study, you need multiple centers across the United States to get people in study, appropriately conduct a study, and publish it and get that out there. So we're up to like 40 or 50 studies right now, at least in development, and this is how we do it. So it really comes from people that are engaged boots on the ground, have an idea, sarcoma people that really want to push forward. Another realm is that we have a great partnership with industry because they have a new drug, a new concept of the drug. They stumble on the fact that it might work in sarcoma, but they don't know the landscape of sarcoma. They don't know who the contacts need to be. And that's when they would come to SARC, partner with SARC, because then we can then help develop the study help scientifically with the help of Jonathan Fletcher and this, you know, his, you know, the basic science group to build out a better science and appropriately design the trial a little bit better. And then the third and final one is that some of these are patient advocacy groups that have done through their own organization. They realize that, hey, to get to the next level, we need a little bit of support and collaboration. 
uh, through a cooperative group, and they don't want to navigate a standard um, cooperative groups through the um, and I, the government, you know, the NCI, or they don't want to lose track of what's going on and get the ear of industry. So then they bring it to us and then we can get the ear of industry and move those along. So it's really organically based. Um, sometimes it comes out of a lab with a great idea. We don't have a, a minister, um, industry partner, but then we are working say, well, who else has this drug? Who are we paying? So we are multiple connections and multiple conversation knocking on the door, say, hey, we have some basic scientists that think your drug has a tar there's a target that your company has. Can you, you know, let's, let's meet and work and co-develop. So those are usually the three ways that we will help develop a trial. Okay. So it can really come from a physician or lab. It can come from a, a patient organization. Um, and it can also come from industry. So really kind of any stakeholder really in this. Again, we leverage everybody's strengths. Everybody comes with something at the table and we're willing to listen and you know, we're willing to provide um, sarcoma expertise in the infrastructure to help run the trial. And um, can you maybe talk about some past SARC trials uh, for osteosarcoma or pediatric sarcoma? Well, we just did one uh, that uh, we did and this came from uh, Lord Davis and other individuals, Leo Mascarenas and uh, Dr. Naveed had a great concept. Um, we worked with industry to work on it. Uh, it probably has some activity, but it's a combination study. And we really couldn't prove that it is going to be something that we can move forward with. And we just have to retool that. But this is a study that was a national study led by both the PEACH group-ish and the AYA group with a great concept specifically for uh, osteodilic sarcoma designed by, by sarcoma experts, run through SARC, and able to get it done very quickly and publish it. So, I mean, we're in the process of publishing it. So, but we've presented it in meetings and, and to see where we go. So that is a, a unique thing that we can do. And then we would love if you have MFA researchers that are working on things that has a drug says, hey, let's work through collaborate with SARC to kind of develop the next study, study we would love that. So um, Christina can can fill in the, the information on this, but we took that SARC 38 trial and funded Dr. Dr. Asgarzadeh to do a correlative, correlative study um, of SARC 38, and that's underway. Um, he just got the outsmarting 2023 uh, one of the one of the outsmarting 2023 awards um, to do that correlative study on SARC 38. Yeah, just to follow up on that, and this is how that partnership works. You know, we had enough funds to run the trial. We wanted to know why it worked, why it didn't work. We had a lot of tissue, a lot of samples, and then partnering with MIB, not partnering, but MIB helped you know fund the whole correlative study and it was awarded. So we'll figure out why it worked, why it didn't work, and then potentially do the next study. So again, collaboration and, you know, I had to go through the vetting process to MIB. So we're really excited to maybe learn a little bit more about SARC-38, which was a trial that we were talking about. Yeah. This is something at the outset with MIB when we started funding research in 2017, this was a concern for for us that there was there was some research happening in osteosarcoma 
and we weren't hearing about it if it failed and why did it fail or if it succeeded then what then what happened and the this follow through is so important and it i think particularly important to an organization like ours where we 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 run a tight ship right like this is we do not waste money when when money comes in for research it goes out for research and we don't just go okay here's some research money go do your thing like i was saying you can't shake us we're like like we follow that research all the way through and then we keep following it and we make sure that we've done right by our donors and we've done right by the osteosarcoma community because for us much of the money that comes in for research comes in through our family funds and this is a this is it's simultaneously a heavy Oh, I'm not going to say the the right word is not burden, but this is a this is a heavy thing to carry because we're carrying the legacy of kids who have suffered with osteosarcoma and we're carrying the legacy of kids who have, have survived and those who have passed. And we really take that responsibility very seriously. So we can't take that money that that but that family or that we have raised through like our golden bow and gold golden bows happening in september that's one of our major fundraisers that really helps us with with research and with all of these programs in the organization we have a responsibility to that dollar that came in to to see it through all the way through and make sure that we've done right by that by that dollar by that family who provided it by the friend by the community that provided that money but most of all, the child who's suffering inspired that dollar to come our way. It is a continuum that that we are deeply proud of because we have followed it through and and we've we've built and I'm, again I'm looking at Christina like with Christina's oh my gosh excellent everything that she does. It really has helped us to see that to see that dollar through all the way. So we love that we could take that SARC 38, which is a trial that we believed in, and we're we're big fans of Dr. Laura Davis, um, to and huge fans of Dr. Mascarenas too. Holy cow, he's just completely brilliant. Like to take that and and see it through to a next stage, and make the most of of the money that SARC has put toward that trial and the efforts that those PIs have put toward that trial and really honor that work, not for the sake of honoring it, but for the sake of honoring those whom it is intended to honor. So just a follow-up on that is, you know, the word we kind of think about is we're stewards of the resource work. And in order to be a good steward, you have to, not what we did, it's what the patients did to allow us to have this resource. And we don't want to squander it. And there are many organizations that are young, that have an investigator that has a great idea. But the reality, it's not a great idea because every single idea is a great idea. And you could spend a lot of money. I don't want to say waste a lot of money, but you know we're stewards. So that's why we really appreciate the rigor for which groups do vet these out and only award high quality research that will allow us to uh, improve things because we are uh, stewards of the resources that we are all given. Yeah. 
I'm going to I'm going to add something um, on on this. Um, when I was just finished with treatment and my doctor is Dr. Myers at Sun Kettering. He was my he was my pediatric oncologist, though I was 43. Um, I remember there was this day that this was like, oh, this is a moment for me because I think as a patient, you you put your doctor up on a pedestal often. And you also kind of think, you know, they kind of they're sort of checking in, they're they're doing their work and then they check out and they, you know, have a different life outside of the the institution, et cetera. And um, th so there's this that was my I, you know, I didn't really see them as like being able to to get emotionally attached to patients. I didn't I didn't see that until this particular day. So I'm in the waiting room sitting across from this kid. He does not look good. You, there's that color. And I, he was going in to see what his post scans were. And I was going in to see my post scans. I looked different than he did in in the sense of I looked like I was recovering and he looked did not look like he was recovering. So he went in before me and um, and so I followed him. You know, he was done. He left. I did not see him leave. And I sitting across from from Dr. Myers and he's looking pretty grim. And I said, hey, you know, how's it going? And I was like, oh, my gosh, are my scans OK? And he goes, he goes, yours look great. You're, they look really good. Congratulations. And I could see he was hurt, like he was hurting. And I said, is everything okay? Like beyond that? And he goes, you're going to be my good news patient for the day. And I was like, oh, gosh, he said nothing. He violated no anything. But I could see that he was just demoralized by not being able to help this patient and this family and that really, that moment, though he didn't, this was not the intention at all, he humanized doctors for, for me in that moment where I knew for sure that funding research and finding better was was as important for me as it was for my doctor and for many doctors. Because as much as I've been doing this work for 12 years, you've been doing it for 30 years or more, and you have to look in patients' eyes regularly and, and give them not great news. Um, and in osteosarcoma, that is often more bad news than good news that you're delivering. So that knowing that it matters so greatly to my doctor and to now to all of the doctors that I know that work on osteosarcoma, it, it makes me want to work harder because I know the need is great, not just for the parents and the patient community, but for the doctors and the researchers who are desperate to not have to deliver bad news or to not have the tools to do the, their best work. Um, so that's my... Um, I just wanted to actually read a couple of comments that came in from Stephen Young, who's listening in. He's the CEO of Stark. Um, so one, I'm just going to read his comments. It says, I can attest that there isn't a day that goes by that we don't ask ourselves, this is how MIB is addressing this or that. We're inspired and motivated by Anne and the MIB community, including the extraordinary convening of patients, caregivers, clinicians, and researchers, all with a focus on results, but never without remembering those most impacted by osteosarcoma, we aspire for MIB's part. And also just a clarification for SARC-038, um, the overall PI is Dr. Faruba Naveed at CHLA. Um, and uh, and Dr. Davis is a great partner with Dr. Naveed and Dr. Mascarenas. Um, and then uh, 
Dr. Naveed and Dr. Asgars there actually co-PIs on the correlative study um, that just got funded for um, SARCO3. Dr. Naveed is a great investigator. She was a great PI of the study. She had a lot of, um, she's very quiet. But she kind of knew exactly what she wanted, and she did a great outstanding job. So if you ever have a chance to visit or just chat with uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Naveed, definitely take it out for you, but it's a great person. So uh, hopefully she'll have another study that we can then build upon as well. So she's great. And then we'll all remember to say her name then too. So <laughs> I'll say eight more times between the end of this podcast to make up for it. Thanks, Dr. Naveed. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to kind of touch back on one of the things you mentioned. We were just talking about how, like, on funding this correlative, it is, it is such kind of this nice kind of collaboration in a way, right, where we have this one trial and then we continue. Because we're big believers in extracting as much value out of everything given our limited resources. So, right, like, we don't want anything to go to waste. And so um, I also just wanted to point out that SARC has a clinical data repository so that kind of the data and learning coming out of these studies is um, made available. Um, to others, but I also, I did want to ask, so um, I'm actually kind of looking right now and for anyone interested, I put the link in the chat, um, but for the clinical data repository, um, it looks like you can access it directly on um, the SARC trial site. Um, and I'm wondering, and this is because this topic came up at our recent factor conference where, you know, I think one of the challenges, it's like the good and the bad, right? One the good thing is that there's so many people kind of looking at this and there are all these um, different kind of um, sample sets and then subsequent data sets that are being developed. But especially for rare disease, I think a big challenge is this kind of fragmentation, right? Where we have kind of different studies, but but ultimately they don't connect. And so I think kind of one of the questions and challenges um, that, you know, we're trying to kind of figure out is like, how do we, we want to kind of leverage all this great work kind of people are doing, um, but how do we kind of make that more powerful by being able to connect that data? And so just kind of curious about how some of this data might connect into others. Like I know there's the, um, I know this is not just pediatric focus, it's adult and pediatrics, but for example, there's the Pediatric Cancer Data Commons, which um, has started a bone um, consortium and like potentially feeding some of this data into that, but kind of thoughts on how kind of where else this data can go. Yeah, so the, thanks for the reminder that it, it was a foresight of the teams earlier on at SAR that we wanted to keep that clinical data, not only the raw data that we have about patients on clinical trials outcomes, but we also have data on pathology. Some of the studies have pathology digitized. Some of them have actual blood correlative studies. Uh, some also have imaging. So one of the things that we need to continue to do and scientific uh, AI should help out with this is that how do we pull the 20, 30 studies that we have done, pull out the data, not only the molecular stuff of the original tissue, but also the correlative studies sample? Do we have any samples left over that investigators could use if they want to use? And then, you know, publish on that because that is the collaborative role. When this clinical uh, CDR, as we would call it, repository was built, it was built on old architecture. So it's very, very cumbersome to go through and say what's available in that. So uh, with the help of uh, Steve Young, the, the, our CEO, 
and other people were trying to build out the next generation of this tool that can be used for multiple different people in a much more robust and collaborative fashion. We would also say, we've done clinical trials here at SARC, but other groups have done trials as well. How come we're not connecting our data with other organizations? And that's the bridge that I think that Stephen and I will have to start to think through as industry, NCI, other local uh, sites have done. And I think that's where the power become because otherwise you're gonna rely on one trial, three trials that have a couple of patients with osteogenic sarcoma. When if we pull all of our resources together and it's not that hard to say is what data do we have out there? So if you have expertise or have you know funding that might be helpful for that broader development of that stuff, uh, please reach out to Stephen Young or us at SARC or even with you, Christine and Ann, that we can continue the ball moving. Um, so I want to pivot a little bit to talk about another um, kind of resource that SARC offers, which I think is a newer program, which is your tumor board, right? So I think um, SARC just started yeah. a monthly tumor board. Exactly. So, you know, we had this idea several years ago. It says, you know what? Each center has our own tumor board. So we have a weekly tumor board. We have one tonight. Uh, we have multidisciplinary. But I kind of can guess what my four medical oncology colleagues, I kind of guess what my four orthopedic surgeons, I kind of know what everybody can say. Why don't I get other opinions outside of our group that might help our patients? So with the help of Anne, Anne has done the same thing through, you know, MIB and the Desmo Tumor Research Foundation has done theirs as well. But we thought, let's, let's do a pan one. That will have three or four cases that will get a broad spectrum of cases and get input from surgery, radiation, medical oncology, pathology, and imaging across a spectrum of sites that might have different perspectives. And it it's a very rich and robust um, dialogue and discussion. And we're just pivoting and and has shared ways to get it done a little bit more efficiently. We use some of the tools that they are using with other people as well and a summary statement. So we're, we're excited about this. We've started, I think, three monthly ones. We want to build that out. But, and you know, we like to hear kind of how you've done it with your group too, because all of these groups are, you do yours that are, you know, specific for your tumor type. You know, we're a pan one. And ultimately, if we have an OGS patient come through, how do we start to collaborate and get your your team's input? Should we say, no, just go to that one and don't present it at SARC. So those are the learning curve as we would say so and so i'll tell you this is this is collaboration on collaboration on collaboration because we so sort of a side effect that was um sort of complicated getting everybody together in one room at our factor conference and like really you know being a a connective organization and collaborative organization between all constituents of the disease community, we started to have people who were um, facing a relapse with their child and they would go, okay, well, I'm at this one at, at Factor and I know this doctor and I've heard this doctor is really great. And so they call and they would get multiple um, ideas and thoughts about next steps from these different doctors. So my my concern is, as I was hearing this, I was like, oh, my gosh, these doctors must be getting tired of doing these like individual phone consultations. And 
by the way, they often do it without charging anything with just out of uh, out of a lack of time. They're sharing their time. So the idea of a tumor board was appealing to me that we have one just for osteosarcoma sort of deinstitutionalized, but like bringing all the osteosarcoma um, experts together, have that multidisciplinary team as sort of a core, but how to do it. And on, honestly, didn't we did not have the bandwidth to do it. And how do I put this together? So Marlene Portnoy from uh, Desmoid Tumor uh, Foundation, I talked with her and then we had Christina, who was really excited about this. And actually her husband was super excited about it. And we, we were at dinner one night and I was like, gosh, I'd really like to do this. And um, so that Christina was already working with us on our uh, on our uh, funding process. So um, thank you, Jesus. Christina came on board and she really runs the tumor board and uh, does it with precision and grace that uh, transcends anything that I have ever seen or certainly could accomplish on my own. So Christina, I'm going to turn that after all that collaboration on collaboration, I'm going to turn that over to you to collaborate on this answer. Um, thank you. I mean, I, I do. I mean, a huge thank you to uh, the Desmoy Tumor Research Foundation because we really kind of took what they were doing and they were so generous um, in sharing their best uh, practices with us, which again, in turn, we'd be happy to share with any other organization because it has been really um, valuable both in so many facets, like Anne mentioned, because we have, um, you know, not only can I think experts coming together to, to kind of talk and bounce ideas off each other, but it's also a forum for for someone who might not be at a sarcoma center to be able to come and even, and they might, you know, normally not be able to kind of easily access all those opinions in kind of a pretty efficient setting without having to travel or arrange lots of <laughs> phone calls. And so we've even had international participants. I think we've had, um, um, clinicians with patients in Australia, in Hong Kong, like um, from uh, the UK. So um, that's kind of the nice thing I think about having a virtual disease-specific tumor board is that really anyone can participate from anywhere pretty easily. Um, and, uh, you know, it's like we have uh, clinicians who who kind of ask to present a case if they have a challenging case. And sometimes, um, as I mentioned, we have people in the patient community where you know, the tumor board is just for doctors, but um, if they are aware that there's this opportunity to have their case presented, they might kind of nudge their their doctor to do that, which in then turn actually creates this wonderful educational forum and conversation to have kind of an interesting case to discuss, which prompts some really kind of um, interesting topics, like how do you select which TKI to use, which, you know, there isn't a lot of uh, evidence yet on that, so it's always an interesting conversation. And um, I will say that, like, we tend to be pretty um, hacked with cases sometimes, but we had a recent one where um, we didn't have as many cases, so we had a little bit more time. And it was just like a one, like, people just kind of prompted just other, like, hey, what are you guys doing about chemo shortage, for example? And it just creates this a, a wonderful forum that people have on a regular basis. And um, you know, I mentioned like how we try to extract as much value from things as possible for the resources and effort that we put into it. So um, it's important for us that the value doesn't kind of end like in that one hour meeting, but any kind of learning or discussion can be shared with 
anyone else who has kind of signed up to be part of um, Tumor Board, which is a lot more people than can actually make it, you know, on any given month. So, um, so I think that's great too, to be able to kind of share some of those conversations and learnings, um, you know, outside the meeting to really kind of extend the value that we get from having all those great brains in one room together for an hour. You're correct. And if it weren't for Marlene Portnoy, we wouldn't be using the platform Alco Lens. So we use the platform Alco Lens through ours. And I think you guys probably do too. So yeah. they've been a great partner to kind of allow us to do the technology part. And in, in our tumor board, it's led now by uh, Gina Diamato. She's a medical oncologist down at uh, uh, down at Sylvester at the University of Miami. Uh, and our team member at SARC is Lindsay Oberman. And those two are really, you know, driving it and like you said, uh, Christina, it's the conversation around just things and you just get different perspective because some centers get honed in on how they do it, but this is a broader way of doing it. And uh, again, the patients benefit. Um, sometimes we don't have the rights. There is no right. It's more like, how, how do you do this? How do you do that? Why do you do that? Um, we love to have trial data, which I did find out that there's a way to do a trial uh, search on this thing. But also then kind of basically say is, hey, we're starting to see this pattern. Maybe we need to solve it as a research community. So we're not there yet. We're just learning and uh, we'll continue to evolve uh, all three of our uh, national, international um, tour boards. Yeah, it's been a really, um, I mean, I, I want to say, I think even, um, you know, we've had some uh, jaw osteosarcoma cases come through. And that, uh, Dr. Matteo Trico is our um, fearless uh, moderator and chair, and that kind of prompted him to kind of start a group to work on a consensus paper for jaw osteosarcoma because there really isn't that much kind of around the protocol for that. And I mean, he's I think he's gotten a really great group kind of coming actually just out of those discussions that happen in tumor board and um, with participants outside the U.S. as well. So um, it's been just a nice launching pad for kind of other types of awesome this is great yeah no, i'm gonna add one other thing there and I, christina said this but i just want to add it in again that our um mib agents osteosarcoma tumor board like i think every tumor board ever there are no patients that are at the tumor board and no patients attend it this is a this is a physician um md only sort of an MD PhD only uh, group. Um, I'm going to add one other thing that it does. We we just heard back from a patient whose case was presented at uh, at Turbo, which is our tumor board, and um, she said, "Oh my gosh, thank you so much!" Like this, our doctor came, who kind of was stuck came back with a list of things and we're going down that list from the most what looks like the best choice for my child and we're just we have we now have this this longer plan that will see us through um we have so many so many more options now and what that translates to is hope she she contacted us and was just like what do we do you know we're we're basically a local medical center and, you know, haven't seen osteosarcoma in many years and now has access to this hive brain of the experts in the world on osteosarcoma. And they're all helping my child. What better gift to give from of your time and 
your excellence and your your knowledge and your own um, experience than to give this family hope for their child to survive and to have the next step laid out. It's just, it is all of the great scientific collaboration stuff, but it also always comes back to the patient and just going, wow, this is just brilliant for my family to know this has been looked at all over the world. It's it's such a big deal. Um, okay, we are already out of time. It's been so fun chatting with you both. It was actually kind of nice not to have, it was just nice to just shoot the breeze and not have, you know, slides or anything. So thank you guys both and for all of you for spending an hour with us today. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss a Sark Talk. To find out more about Sark, please visit our website at sarktrials.org. To suggest a topic or for questions, please email us at sarktalk at sarktrials.org. The Sark Talk series is made possible due to funding from Adi Biosciences. Together, we can find a cure for all forms of sarcoma.